Hi, I'm Pastor Daniel, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel, but enjoy listening to the sermon. Well, <laughs> this is the second time. Well, good morning, church. I don't know if I did a welcome before, but I just want to welcome you again and say happy Sunday. That's how much I do have it in my script. I actually wrote there. I need to say how much I miss your faces. So that's why I felt I needed to do that introduction twice. <laughs> so very good to be able to be online with you. And how cool is that little thing? Just we start our new series, Uncomplicated, looking at relationships, looking at family, and we're going to look at finances. So essentially, it's a big series with multiple little series that are going to take place over the next couple of weeks. But today, we start with relationships. Because you know what? We thought, let's start with the one that's least complicated. Let's do relationships in no one. Let's just be real. Relationships are one of the hardest and one of the most complicated dynamics that many of us experience. And they're complicated. Amen. You can agree with me in the chat. You can say they amen, preacher, brother, because we all know what that feels like and how complicated it is. Because the thing of the relationships is that it impacts every single one of us, all of us. It's not just those that are married, those are in relationships, dating. We are all, it's all encompassing when it comes to relationships. You see, because we have family dynamics, we have parenting, we have um, in-law relationship that takes place, friendship, and then obviously we have the aspect of marriage and dating when it comes to relationship. But but this is the thing. All of us are involved in some form of relationships. We're all involved in it. And and for a lot of us, if we're completely honest, that there are complications when it comes to this relational side of our lives. And then you add 2020. You add COVID into the mix of relationships, and listen here, that just added to more complications in our relational world. You see, because it went to limiting contact with people and family and colleagues. It went to reducing your connections with, with friendships and ministry areas that you served in that was your connection. But then on the other side, we were also forced <laughs> into being together with family, if you're in a household and, and in relationships, I, I even know of a couple that just got married in January and they went into the lockdown in March. It forced us into being together with people, and that in itself brought out complications. It's complicated. Relationships are complicated. But does it have to be? Does it have to always be complicated? Is it just an excuse that we will forever use? It's complicated, your status of your relationship. Because you know, God's word has a lot to say about relationship. In his word, there's so much that he talks about it. And the truth is, if we are 100% honest, the truth is that for a lot of times it's only complicated because you and I, We have stepped outside the prescribed 
order, the formula, the design that God had always intended for relationships, that we have stepped out of his design and formula, and why so often it's complicated. But relationships don't have to always be complicated. Can I, can I, can I let you in on something? God's heart hear me, is that we have life-giving relationships. His heart is not that we will always just have complicated relationships in life. And his word is rich. It's got so much that speaks into this thing. And I'm believing, and I'm including myself in this, and, and there's gonna be a loud amen from the front row that all our relationships need some attention. Every one of us, my wife is the loudest here in the front row. Every one of us need to pay attention. They, they, let me say, they need some TLC. They just need some, all our relationships, particularly in this season that so many have found ourselves in. Because like I said, God's desire, his plan, and we're gonna unpack this as we go through the series and you're gonna see as we go through, his desire is for life giving God honoring, replenishing, happy relationships, friendships, colleagues, marriage, dating. But often we are the ones that create it complicated. Listen, listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. Listen to what he says. He says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. C.S. Lewis says this, and this is so true. I believe this quote sums up why things have been so complicated. And you know, in Scripture, we can see it, and where it started in, in Genesis 3 already, which is known as the fall of man when you read it, it sees how man walked away, man and woman walked away and decided, they walked away from God and decided to do their own thing. They decided to go on their own path. They started, and we see from Genesis 3 and throughout history, we see how how man has been searching for something other than God to make happy, and yet God is saying, hold on, can you come back to the truth, the way that I designed it, and if I'm completely honest, and today we've been honest, we're sitting down and we're chatting about this thing that for some of us, our relationships are hidden behind this excuse, the excuse that we have that it's complicated. We, we hide behind that, you know, like, oh, that's just them. It's, it's complicated, you know? That, that's just how it is. That's how our relationship goes. It's, it's complicated. And don't, don't worry, we will sort it out. Don't worry, I will sort out this person. I will do it by myself. I don't need help. This, ex, this excuse of it's complicated, I believe it's been used for too long now. And I, and I believe in, in order for us to uncomplicate it, the very heart of the series, in order for us to uncomplicate our relational worlds, you know what it's gonna require from us? It's gonna require for us to be, to be real and authentic. And that's one of the cultures of our house, that, that we're honest around you. To be real and authentic and it's also a safe place to be able to, to look at the health of our relationships to truly look and say, where are we? Examine the condition of where things are at. But most importantly, to look at what God's word says regarding relationships. 
that the way we were formed to be in relationship with him and with others, how he originally intended. And church, this is the very heart. This is, this is the big win. This is what the series is all about. It's not like, oh, let's just figure out something to do while we wait for when we can all meet in person. This is, this is not it. The heart beat behind the series is, listen to this, in order for relationships to work, Read, read this. In order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. In order for relationships, in order for our relationships, you know what this means? It says the creator gets to say what he wants to do with creation. The one who created relationships. He didn't just create you. He also created friendship. He also created marriage. He created dating. And so let the creator decide what's best for creation. We need to let God, this is the principle of the series, the heartbeat behind it. We need to let God, the one who designed us, define us. The one who created us for relationships be the one to show us how to live our relationship. And that's the heartbeat of the series. So, so how do we do this? Where are we starting? Week one of our series, where do we start? We go to the word of God and we look at what his word says. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek God above all else and look, live righteously. And what does his word say? When we seek him, we live righteously. He will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need for your relationship that's complicated to uncomplicate it. You see, when we seek him, when we seek his face, his formula, his design, his original intent when it comes to our relational world, he promises us to give us what we need. And so this is the, the journey that we're gonna be going on when it comes to relationships. And, and I'm setting the foundation and I want you to hear the heartbeat, the, the anchor verse of this series of the whole complicated. This is the anchor verse that we're called to seek God. And I believe we need to start at this foundation. We need to start here before we go into talking about, okay, so what is a healthy relationship? How do we define this? How do we talk about friendships? How do we talk about our singleness? How do we talk about hurt in, in marriages? How do we, we need to start at the very beginning of the foundation. You see, because if the foundation is a bit off, we know the parable, Matthew 7, about the man who the, the, the builder, whether on solid ground or sand, when the foundation is off, that's when problems start to creep in. You see, because, because for many of us, our relationships have, have, are struggling, or I even say are, are messed up, because they have a foundational problem, because they've been grounded and birthed upon myths or lies. The, the way that they've started is being based upon that. That the relationship is based on lies and myths and not 100% on what God's word says. And, that, and that's the title of my message today, Myths and Lies. That there are myths and there are lies when it comes to relationship, which is causing, which is causing chokas to constantly come, you know? Things that keep popping up in your relationship. 
Because from fairy tale weddings to, to, to Love Island, weird series that we see, to, to Netflix, to all these movies that we see regarding this, to, to Taylor Swift and her love songs, she's, she's great, don't get me wrong. But in our culture today, in our relationships, what we are seeing in regards to relationships, it's been molded into something that may look attractive, it may look appealing, it may look alluring and saying, oh, I want that. But actually, it's, it's been based on a collection of, of untrue myths and lies. And this is the thing, that many of these myths and these lies, or, or let me say it like this, many of these statements that, that have come about that we've accepted that we would consider as, as these foundation thoughts about life and relationship and, and their good saints and, and things, that many of these things, they're not 100% true. Or they're false, actually. Because maybe, and it's deceitful, because often I, I know that these started from a good place, that there's some truth in it, but it's not 100% of the truth. It's not what God's word says about this, and that's why we see these things and we go, but, but, but hold on, Dan, isn't that true? There's some truth in it, but it's not 100% of the truth, and the word of God is 100% of the truth. And so that's a dangerous place to be in. Because as time goes on and as time has gone on, as this culture has accepted more and more, as, as we have gone and you look at movies and series and what, what songs are all written about is that often it's based on these myths and lies. And as this goes on and gradually we've bought into some of these lies, some of these myths. And for some of us, we've actually molded our relationships upon these we, we've looked at it, and, and as time has gone, as we've molded our relationship on these things, they've gradually started to work at us, started to chip away at our soul, started to chip away at our mindset, the way in which we view relationships, the way in which we treat other people in relationships because of these myths and lies, and it's now we've bought into them, and they have shaped our relationships. Because when we believe certain relationships, when we buy into these things and what we see on the movies and we buy into it and we believe our relationship is gonna be like that, you know what happens? Starts off amazing. But then when things, when things happen, start to hit the fan, when stuff happens in life, life comes its way, we start to go, but I don't understand. This is not what I thought my relationship was gonna be like. And then that's when frustration and disappointment and disillusion starts to come in. And then now there's these unspoken expectations and unrealistic thoughts and the way in which we treat, we go, well, that's just how I am and, and you must just accept it. And this goes on and on. And so now it just starts to become complicated and more complicated. And now they start to be damaged within relationships. And so often, many of us, and I include myself in this, have bought and have bought into some of these myths that our foundation of our relationship started out of this place. So then, what do we do? How, how do we look at this? How do we approach this thing on these myths and lies? How do we honestly go, how do I uncomplicate relationships? Because let's be honest, they are complicated and stuff. You don't have to do much to complicate them. But so how do we do it? We have to examine what we believe about relationships and our starting place, it's Matthew 6.33 again, our anchor verse of the series. 
We have to seek God, seek His truth, seek what His Word says, not what the myths and lies and what culture, what songs and what movies and, and even what friends might be saying to you. The one who designed relationship, let Him define it to us. I do not have the qualifications even to be trying to do marital advice and counseling. I don't have that. We are on our journey in our relationship. But I'm not speaking from my own experience. I'm speaking from what the Word of God says. And let the one who defined us define relationships. And we build it on that. You see, because the Bible, this, what we read, what we should be in daily, it gives us principles. It teaches us truths about our relationship. But do you know what's interesting? It doesn't give you all the details. It doesn't tell you here in this verse that man shall be devoted to his wife. It doesn't say, so in the way you're devoted, you need to give flowers once a week. You need to pack your shoes away. Trust me, do that. <laughs> it, will, it will give you a better relationship. It doesn't say that you need to message your friend every single day to say, oh, I love you so much, bestie. It doesn't say that. It, it doesn't give us the detail, but it gives us principles. And what Scripture does give us it tells us everything we need to know in regards to relationship. It tells us everything we need to know and how we are called and the most foundational aspect that the scripture tells us and shows us is how we were called to be in relationship with God first and foremost. That that is the, the greatest relationship we can ever have. And he unpacks scripture, God's word unpacks how we were designed for that. You see, Ephesians 1, verse, verse 5 to 6, and I paraphrase this, it says, for it was always in his perfect plan, perfect plan God had for us to adopt us as his delightful children through, look at that word, union, through coming together, oneness with Jesus that was always his plan, that we would belong to him. And then he starts to unpack and how we belong to him and others. Love God, love people. You see, the Bible is grounded in truth and reality. This is not a fictional book. Hear me. This is not Chronicles of Narnia that we're reading about. This is the word of God, which is true. And when I spoke about this last week, I said, the Bible is not boring. The Bible is not boring. You heard about those two courageous women and the act that they did. The Bible is not boring. It's not outdated. There's truth in it. There's principles that God's word gives us and we need to know it. You know, scripture speaks about a variety of things. It speaks about alcoholism. And you know that it speaks about domestic stuff that can happen, domestic ugliness that takes place, marital problems. It speaks about this. It talks about adultery, dishonesty, dishonesty. It speaks about this. It doesn't just paint the ideal picture of what a marriage or a relationship should look like. In fact, the Bible even speaks about divorce. It speaks about what happens in things like this. And in all of this, I, I, I'm, I'm emphasizing because I'm laying the foundation of where we're going with the series. In all of this, the Bible's truth. It's our foundation. It's where we anchor our relationship. And so when this is far from us in our relation or world, we're bound to have the chokas come into our lives. We're bound to. And why? We base it on the truth and not on myths and lies of what the world and what culture, what friends may be saying to you. You see, because Paul actually writes about this. 
He writes it about it to, to, to Timothy. I need you to understand, Timothy is, is one of his sons of the Lord. He loves this guy. Timothy is a young pastor, and Paul had started Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, and now he hands over to Timothy, a young pastor. And he's saying to him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you, and here's some, here's some pastoral, and here's some grand teaching, practical advice that you need to give the people. Because can I tell you, at that time, the church of Ephesus, they were struggling with this thing of relationship. They were struggling with unity. And so he gives us his advice, and, and in, one, in Timothy 4, we read and what it says of what's going on and how Paul warns Timothy, the young pastor of that time. He says, listen to me, brother. There are people that are going to come, and they're going to tell false truths. They're going to deviate from the truth. It might sound like the truth, but they're going to start spreading false teaching, you need to, Timothy, hear me. You need to preach the foundation of God's word, truth in this time. And I believe that's what we're doing in this series. Because look at what it says in, in verse one. The spirit clearly says that in the last times, this is now what Paul is saying to Timothy, some will turn away from what we believe and they will obey the spirits that tell lies. And then you jump down to verse six to eight. It says, if you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, now telling the truth, the word of God, what God's word says about relationships, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of the faith and of sound teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with profane myths, and look there, old wives' tales. Lies, myths, old wife's tales when it comes to this aspect. And so now Paul says to Timothy, please, please listen to me. As a young preacher, this is what I'm asking you. Please preach. I urge you. He says this. I urge you to speak into Timothy now. I urge you to bring the good news, bring truth to the people. And it says in verse three of two Timothy, it says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching they will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers, friends, colleagues, other voices that will tell them other things, who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will tell them what they want to hear. It says they will reject the truth and chase after myths. That's what the Word of God says. Lies and myths when it comes to relationship. And this is, this is my passion. It's my desire that as a church, as, as you, as, a, as our congregation, that we would come back to understanding God's intent, God's original design when it's come to relationships, our relational world, how we are to be with, in marriage, in friendship, in, in dating, and how, we are, how God has called us to be. And it's a pastoral burden I'm carrying that, it, that if we miss this one, there's so much that happens with it. You see, because we, we constantly are on the forefront and we're hearing of those that are struggling relationally, those that have got breakdown in family and, and with kids, those that have got breakdown when it's come to their marriage and relationships. And hear me, the enemy's having a field day because if he knows I can break down a relationship, I break down unity. If I can break down unity within a marriage, I can break down a family. If I can break down a family, I can break down a community. And that's his goal. And why my passion is, 
that we go back to what God's word says, that we go back to the truth of relationship, not self-help books, not articles that you can all find, and those are great resources. Getting professional help is so important, and we believe in that. This is not being spiritual kooks that we just like, no, no. We need the help, but we need this first and foremost, the help of God and his truth. And so what do we do? We need to expose these myths by looking at the truth. Looking at what God says. Mythbusters right here. Because look at here. This is often, and I'm gonna go through just four in the time that I have shortly just to go through with you. Four myths, and then look at four truths. Four truths of God's word that often have caused things in our relationship because they're based on myths and lies. First, number one, first myth that we often hear is just follow your heart. Heard this one before? A lot of those that are still maybe single gone, I followed my heart. And listen, we have given that advice over and over. It's so easy. I know it's even flown off my tongue before because you think that's right. That's not 100% of the truth. Because listen to what it says. God's view is so different on this. Jeremiah 17 verse nine says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Just follow your heart, friend. Just go for that guy. The human heart is the most deceitful thing of all. And it's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? This is the word of God. Did you catch that? Most deceitful of all things. It makes you think that you're better in a relationship than what you really are. It makes you go, I'm gonna make a great decision regarding this relationship or doing this or I'm gonna walk away from this friendship because you know what? I'm just following what my heart feels and I'm going on feelings. And despite all the plenty advice and warning and alarm bells and you know, we still just follow our hearts. And often when it comes to even the, the matter of love, listen here, the heart likes to lie to us the most when it comes to the matter of love. Think about it. Have you ever had that friend? who's madly in love with someone that you think, how on God's green earth do you see something there? (laughs) I rest my case. (laughs) Just follow your heart. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because the truth is, so the, the, the myth is just follow your heart, but the truth says, follow God. Follow his word and the advice of wise counselors. You see, following God's word is that God's truth is unchanging. It's relevant for every aspect of life. Why I spoke about it. The, the, the word of God unpacks so many different areas that we currently are dealing with. And if our heart is leading us to do something that is contrary to God's word, so meaning you actually need to know his word, and if it's contrary to that, God's word should win every time. But, but we don't always know everything. I don't even know everything when it comes to knowing every scripture and every verse of my heart. But that's why scripture says, follow the advice of wise counsel. Why we have people, Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The itching ears, we wanna hear what we wanna hear. But he who heeds counsel, he who seeks counsel, he who speaks to those of wise counsel is wise. It's wise. See, we normally tend to think that we're always right. 
Or am I the only man that's out there? <laughs> we tend to think that we always are right, even when we're wrong. And one of the best ways to find out the truth is to seek the advice of wise counselors. And listen to me, that friend that always tells you what to do, and even though you know you shouldn't do, that's not wise counsel. I'm not saying you don't speak to your close friends, but you need someone who's gonna speak truth. And why are we big on groups? Why are we big on doing life together within this church? Because we believe that for authentic life-giving relationships, we're called to do it together with others that are gonna walk this journey of life, life groups. We talk about what's going on in our life. And so it's a space to be able to, to journey with a life group leader, a ministry leader, wise counsel, coming to your pastoral team saying, hey, and this week I was so proud of even someone who came to me and said, can I just chat to you because I need some wise counsel? I'm thinking this and I'm thinking of that. Can I just get perspective? And let me just, let me just reiterate again, I'm not a marriage counselor. I don't have any degrees when it comes to psychology. I can't do this, I, but, but I don't go into that. I go, well, well let's, let's see what God's word says regarding this thing. Can we take an opportunity and pray together about it? Can we, can we seek what God says? And in that, his word is discerning and why we need to follow the leading. The second, the third thing is following the leading of the spirit. We follow his word, we follow his spirit, and we follow wise counsel because God's spirit is inside of us his Holy Spirit's in us, and it gives us everything we need according to his plan, how we are to live. But we have to learn to hear his spirit. Because you know, when inside, you know, people talk about it as all other things, your gut or that thing inside of you, the Holy Spirit's prompting. When you know you shouldn't be doing something, you're dating and you're getting up to stuff and you know you shouldn't, it's his spirit prompting something in you. You see, because we, we need to be discerning. And when we don't feel that anymore, that's when we need to be worried. When we're not hearing the promptings of the Spirit going, hey, my child, what's going on? Come, come. And we can feel that uncomfortableness inside of us, your gut. Listen, we have to learn. So God's Word is wisdom, but His Spirit, which has been given to us, the Holy Spirit, it helps us guide us in life to make decisions to make decisions in what we do because even when we don't understand, listen to me, trust trumps your understanding and it's coming back. And why? When I think about that, Proverbs 3 verse 5 takes on a whole new meaning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not on your own understanding. Understand, trust His ways. Your own understanding is just follow your heart. Trust in His ways. He says, I will guide you with what's best. The second myth that we often, we, we buy into is this one of happily ever after. <laughs> uh, we should, yeah. Happily ever after. You see, how many, how many old school Disney movies and series where, where the wedding, wedding carriage drives off into the sunset? You know, have you ever noticed the couple's in those movies and series, they're always living in these lavish New York apartments. They're always living on these beach houses. They, you barely see them doing work, normal life, cleaning dishes. You barely see them. All you see them doing is basically holding each other, reading books, sipping coffee. And, and hold on. They don't show the tears that happen after that big, 
WhatsApp and between you and your partner. They don't show the fallout on messages between you and your friend about, oh, I can't believe you did that to me and you spoke behind my back. They don't show the messages of those, those hasty words that are spoken in, in, in absolute anger. They don't show you caring for the sick child and what that does to your relationship as a couple or the frustration of the thing that your partner did, which was cute when you were dating. But now, five months into your marriage, you're thinking, dear Jesus, if he continues to do that, they don't show those things. Guys, listen to me. This is the part of relationships. This is the thing about relationships, the part of love, the part of particularly when it comes to marriage. This happily ever after thing is a great way to end a story. But if that's what you're expecting when it comes to marriage, you're going to be severely disappointed. And you're going to be tempted to think that there's either something wrong with your marriage or there's something wrong with that person or there's something wrong with you and why I'd land with that. You see, this myth of happily ever after is not true because what is the truth of what God says? What is the truth that we see? Marriage requires a daily decision, which is love. And I am focusing on marriage here, particularly with the happily ever after and this aspect of God's design for marriage. But, but even if I replace that, I said, relationship requires daily decisions. Because this is the thing. You see this word, this word love, is, it's actually a verb, it's a doing word. It's something we have to decide. Relationships, and particularly marriage, are, are the most intense form of relationship you can have. It's challenging. It requires an action, which, which is a daily decision that you have to make. You see, because if you look at what God's word says, and just taking just some aspect of man and woman, you, and you know you'll hear this, and it happens in, in even when we go through weddings and that, Ephesians 5.22, it says, for wives, this means being devoted to your husband like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. Okay, but, but I don't feel like being devoted to. Do you know what he does? But, but God says that, the, so, so what does this mean? There's a decision that needs to be made. And, and I love the, another, another translation. <laughs> I love what Beth Moore, a very famous um, speaker and author, she wrote this. She's a strong woman. She wrote this, and she said this whole thing about, but, but with this, another version of this verse, because another translation puts it this way. It says, it says, why is it to submit to your husbands? You know what she says? Sometimes submission is ducking so God can hit your husband. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you see, you see, great relationships and marriages require daily decision for a for husband. Ephesians 5, 25. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us. This verse in itself I could just end the series right now. The men are to offer the same devoted devotion that Christ demonstrated to you and I. But the reality, there are days where you're gonna look and you're gonna say, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel happy. There are days where you're gonna cry and there are days where you look and you think, is this really what my life is gonna be like? Is this really the relationship? I didn't think it would be like this. And there are days when you're looking like, is this what the rest of my marriage is gonna look like? Do you hear me? The, 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 the great thing and the truth of this is that when you work through the, the challenges, when those fuzzy feelings of love and everything, you're just like, where are they right now? But when you make the decision based on what God's word says, 
that we choose to love, love God, love people. Love God, love your friend. Love God, love your family. Love God, love your marriage. Love God, love the person that you're saying, I'm gonna honor you, I'm gonna save myself until marriage. That is loving while the decision you have to make, and, and often it's a daily decision. You see, even why in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm not gonna unpack that, it talks about, about how love is patient, love is kind, and it goes on and on. Why do you think Paul was teaching us this? This happily ever after thing, it's a myth that often we buy into. But what's so much better than happily ever after is when you make a decision. I'm gonna love you. But remember we unpacked that we can't hide under this, this thing of it's just complicated. You have to do the hard work still. You still have to do the hard work. And we're gonna unpack this as we go in the relationship series and we're gonna unpack it more and more. I'm just doing brief because my time's going very fast. But myth number three is this one of there is the one. You, you, you know this one? The, my soulmate, my soulmate that I am not complete without you. I literally can't do anything without this person. Can you come out? No, I can't come out. I need to be with my person. Oh my gosh. This myth of that the, I am nothing without this other person, it's a myth. Hear me, hear me. Now, do I believe God has a perfect plan for our lives that includes a certain spouse, a certain person? Yes, I do. I, I, I believe that. But this is the problem when it comes to this myth because this thing of the one, the soulmate, it's not biblical. Scripture doesn't speak about that. God does not have the one for you, the perfect spouse from the beginning of time when he created everything. He doesn't have that one person for you. And that myth says that if you can just find the one, if you can just find that person, you'll be perfect. Life will just be amazing. Everything will just be Great, and this is the problem with this myth, what we are bought into, this lie that we have got, is because once you get into the relationship, or once the relationship and you get married to the one, my soulmate, and once this happens, and then when things start to go a little pear-shaped, when things happen in life, you start wondering, you're thinking, but, but hold on, is this really the one now? Is she the one? Is he the one? And these thoughts start running through our mind regarding, is this really the person for me? Is this the one? And so then thoughts and doubts, and we start searching, start getting involved in other things. Or even you think, I'm not complete. I'm not complete with that person. And in actual fact, your relationship, you have lost your own personality, your own identity in the relationship. You, you cannot separate them. It's just, you know, those people, they just won. You're like, but I'm invited you, to spend time with you as a friend, and now it's both of you. Listen, God's word speaks differently about this. The soulmate thing is not true, but what does God's truth speaks about? God's truth speaks about a oneness. So he speaks about not the one, but God's word speaks about oneness. Soulmate, and this, this thought is actually a myth that originated from Greek mythology, not from God's word. It originated from a Greek mythology, but God's truth talks about a oneness that we have. Because in Genesis 2 verse 24, it says Adam and Eve, they became one flesh. 
It talks about a unity of heart. It talks about how there was a oneness that happened in the forms of marriage, that they were united together in marriage, and there is a oneness. It doesn't say you clone the other person or the other person clones you, that you lose your identity and your purpose and your personality and you just got nothing left because of that person. It doesn't say that. It speaks about a oneness that takes place, a union that happens in this relationship where you are united in commitment. You're, you're united in values, in, in respect and in spirit, because this is the thing. This is the very thing about this myth. God didn't create half people, and when we believe that, we believe we're only half of a person and the other person completes me. God created you whole. 1 Thessalonians, and Paul writes us in, in verse five to 23, 24, it says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy and look whole, make you holy and whole. It doesn't say you and your partner or you and that relation. Make you holy and whole. Put you together in spirit, soul, and body. See what it says. It shows that that myth's not true. The word of God says that he's the one that makes us whole. And can I just tell you, no one can ever bring wholeness to you besides God. If you try and find it in someone else, It'll land in problems. It takes me to the very last myth. This one and lie that we often say, I deserve to be happy. You know, I have to admit, this is the, one of the myths that I struggled with in early in our marriage. That, that when I got married, I, I honestly, I imagined that, that Leandri, my wife, is that she had to make me happy. And, and so every time that maybe something didn't happen or what I thought, I would rise up in this righteous anger like, a, oh, anyway, I would, and, and I would go and be like, but you're not making me happy. I deserve to be happy and we throw these things. Listen, that's a myth. That is a lie that we have bought into that is causing so much damage, that is causing so much damage when it comes to relationship. And culture tells us, it's telling us that you deserve to be happy. You deserve all the happiness in the world and hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying when it comes to this. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to have life-giving relationships. He's not saying be miserable. He's not saying, oh, because you're a Christian, now your life will be misery. Please don't, yeah, I'm not saying that. But this very thing about you deserve to be happy, it doesn't state that. Instead, actually, we are blessed beyond measure by God's grace to have the happiness. Even when we don't deserve it, he still gives us that. You see, because the truth is of this thing of, of, of I deserve to be happy, we take it to God's word, and the truth is we are called not to be self-seeking. You see, if you're expecting your partner in your relationship that you have, whether it's a friendship, in marriage, in dating, if you're expecting them to make you happy, to fulfill your needs, to make you as a whole person, you're not gonna be happy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, and I'm sorry if I'm breaking this news to you this, this, on this day, but you're not gonna be happy because the Bible talks about how we were called first to love. The Bible is, is all about this principle of love. And 1 John first 19, it says, we love because what? He first loved us. We love, it doesn't say your partner must love you first, but your partner should. But look what it says. We love because he first loved us. And the principle is based on love. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 13. And look what it says as you just take out one portion. 1 Corinthians 13 verse five, it says, love is not self-seeking. Another translation, it says, it doesn't demand its own. So then this myth of, 
I deserve to be happy. I deserve, you need to make me happy. It's a myth, it's a lie that we are brought into because it's self-seeking. Please hear me, God's desire, and I say this again, is for you to be in life-giving relationships. And there are relationships that, that actually need professional help. They need help, in, and they, they are damaged and unhealthy relationships. I'm not, please don't, I'm not referring to that. But God's desire is for us to be in life-giving relationships and not having this foundation of I deserve happiness from you. You must make me happy because it's a foundation of a myth that we're gonna struggle in this relationship. Listen to the truth, and, and the band can join. Ephesians 4 verse 2, God's truth. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other. Others' faults because of your love. Who tells me now they're not in a relationship where there's not faults? Where, where the, this patience and irritation and complication. But, but look what Ephesians, what Paul says to us. And often this fight of, you make me happy, why we fight? Listen to what James 4 verse 1 to 4 says. Why do you fight and argue amongst yourselves? Isn't it because of your sinful longings that fight inside of you? Love is not self-seeking. Look first at what's going on inside of you. And then take the relevant necessary steps. Address the complicated parts of your relationship. You see, because there are many myths and lies, and, and I, could, I could keep going, my time is up. But, I, but what I want to focus on this today, because my desire, my heart, and what I, what I was sharing, is that for that every single one of us, my prayer for you as a church, for us, is that we would seek God first and foremost when it comes to our relationships. That we would seek Him. And to start to uncomplicate and to the myths and beliefs that maybe we're bought into. To, to start unbundling that and saying, that foundation, we need working on that. To start doing that, we need to go back to the one who designed them, let him define them. The one who designed you and I, let him define how we are to call to live our relationship. So even when you're having the, the biggest fight, just remember, as a believer, that is still your sister in Christ. So the words that you say, and this is the challenge I put to us as I end. Relationships require attention. All relationships, every form of relationship requires attention. And I believe God's asking us to pay attention to our relationships. This series, God's timed for us to pay attention. Because the very next verse in verse 34, you know our anchor verse is Matthew 6, 33, verse 34. Look what it says. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Give your entire attention to your marriage. Give your entire attention to your family dynamic. Give your entire attention to that unforgiveness, that thing that's happened in that friendship. And God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You don't have to do this by yourself. His Spirit says He will help you. And you're like, we feel desperate. Go to God. See, when there's a breakdown of our heavenly Father, we're bound to unravel in other areas. Go back to God. In order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. Come on, let's pray together.
Father, my, my heart and my burden is for those that are in relationships right now that, that are struggling, uh, breakdown, disunity, hurt, that sense of, I bought into some of these myths. I, I can identify where things have gone wrong with me, but I can also very much identify where there, there's a relational breakdown. I, I, can, I can see that, he, that she, he's drifted from you and it's causing strain. Holy Spirit right now, it's out of grace that we can come to you. It's not, it's not a condemnation. It's not pointing fingers. It's not like you this and you that. Actually, let's bring it to God. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, for every difficult relationship, those that find themselves strained relationships when it comes to, to, to children, strained relationships when it comes to, to a work colleague, to friendship, to business partners, God, to marriages, to relationships, God, right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do the deep work, that it wouldn't be this thing of, of defensiveness, of who you to say, what does God's word say, and it's out of a place of grace and love. Pray for breakthrough. In, in brokenness, damaged relationships. And then I want to pray for another relationship. The, 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 the relationship that was defined right from the beginning, the greatest relationship was that for you and I to be in relationship with God. You see, when, when, when Jesus went to the cross, He went for you and me. When he, when he hung upon that cross and he says, I'm going there so I can take all your mistakes, all your sins, all your breakdown in relationships. He says, I've done it so that you, because on the third day when he rose again, he says, so that you can have life. And, and, and maybe you are so distant from God, and, but you pretend and there's this fast that you are in relationship. Do you know the beauty? There's no condemnation. He says, just come home. Or maybe you've never made a decision. You can come home and all you have to do you don't have to try and come with this whole document on how you're going to get better and how you're going to, all you need to do is say, God, here I am and come into a relationship with Him. So if that's you, whether you've fallen away from Him or it's your first time, say this prayer with me right now where you find yourself. You can indicate on the screen as well, but say this prayer, confidential. Father God, right now, I acknowledge that I'm lost without you. I acknowledge that I'm not living the life that you designed. I'm not living in relationship with you. But today, I do believe that you're the God of second, third, fifth, hundred, millionth chances. And so I come back to you. I believe that you're a God of, that brings hope, that brings restoration. And right now in my brokenness, I need that. And so I come to you. I acknowledge that you are the Lord of my life. I acknowledge you're Savior. Now you need to confess. So you need to admit. So you need to say these words. Today, I give my life to you. Just say, today I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Incredible. I am so, so excited for what God's doing. And if you made that decision, please indicate on the screen. Our team wants to connect with our pastoral team, our guest connect team. Want to be able to take a moment to chat with you. But don't miss, pay attention. Remember that verse was beautiful. Pay attention to what God is doing because. In two weeks' time, on the 29th, I'm excited because we're going to have two guests with us, Sue and Aunt Ryan. You'll see Sue is a clinical pastoral therapist who specializes in couple therapy, and Aunt is a coach and a business um, consultant. They've been married for 40 years, and they're going to be joining us on the 29th, and we're going to be having a discussion and asking them some questions. Now, we want to hear from you, and maybe you're like, I need to ask for a friend. Please, send us a message. You can WhatsApp us. You can send it in the chat privately to our Guest Connect team. You can email it to us. Just send us a message and say, can you please address 
X, Y, and Z? Can you address why my husband doesn't put his shoes away? Can we please have a discussion about that? But send your message and stay with us on this journey. God bless this church. We'll see you next week.